Welcome back to Yes, You Can Lead, a podcast about life and leadership lessons from me, your host, Chip Nightingale. Last time we were together, we talked about leaders need to be people-driven more than they are task-driven. I've heard from several of you who have told me the impact that the last episode had in regards to how you are leading that you are one of those people that struggle doing everything you can to get your task done because you believe in your mind that it is easier for you to do it than it is for you to allow someone else to do it. The truth is that in order for anything in our lives to grow, whether it's being a parent, a coach, a pastor, a business leader, or a manager, we have to be willing to invest in people so that they can do the job so that we can do more within our job. We want our areas of opportunities to grow. We must be people-driven, not task-driven. And what's crazy about all of that is that the more people-driven we are, the more task we seem to accomplish. Today, let's dive into an area that I personally struggle with, but as a leader, realize how important it is. The topic of staying in your lane. Last week, I read this article on this very topic by Tim Sackett called, Want a smooth running organization? Then stay in your lane. In the article, he says this, I think there are two types of people in this world, people who stay in their lane and people who don't stay in their lane. The first group, lane stayers, are the type of people who follow a natural life path. Basically, these are the people who don't push the natural evolution of their lives. And an example of this, I started at this company. I worked my job. and a certain time, I'll get promoted. There's a sequence of life that I'll follow, and for the most part, things will work out. You know any lane stayers, people like this? These are some great examples. The second group, those leaving their lane, don't agree with their natural order of things. For example, uh, people like this say things like, nope, I don't want to wait for my things to happen. I'm going to make my own things happen. I don't believe there is a path for me, so I'm going to create my own. Are you beginning to see the type of people I am talking about? The reason why this is one of the most difficult things for me is because I am a visionary. And I am constantly thinking about the future. And unfortunately, a lot of those things I struggle with are because my future can be dependent on other areas of the things that I'm involved in. And so I naturally have this tendency to give my opinion whether or not someone wants it or not. Know anybody like that? I'll give you a couple examples of this. Both of these examples are from when I pastored the church in Allegan, Michigan, and began to see the need to add pieces to the puzzle. As we begin to hire people, I, I knew the importance of hiring people that would compliment me, but when I actually brought those people in, they brought their own ideas, and when those ideas conflicted with my ideas, and which I felt was important for their overall direction of the church, I would have a tendency to get defensive. And instead of staying in my lane of just making sure that everything worked under the vision of the church, I had a tendency to interject my thoughts instead of just seeing how things might go. Ultimately, my biggest issue was I struggled trusting that person. The more that I trust someone, the more that I let go of lanes. But it took time for me to get to a place where I would trust them 
even though I already knew they had the potential gifts to do those things, that's why we hired them. Another example was when I began to transition from being the lead pastor at the church and relinquishing authority. The moment that I had shared with the elders of the church my intentions of leaving, even though I was not going to be leaving for another six to nine months, I, at that moment, needed to relinquish the control that I had to that point. At that moment, it was no longer my job to create vision and lead the church. At that moment, it was my job to listen, to encourage, and to show my support with the leadership that was now in place. When I learned What I learned through that process was it wasn't easy. The reason why is because people have different ideas and, and different thoughts and visions for what the future might look like. And even though they weren't trying to be in contradiction to me, because I was too emotionally, too emotionally attached, I would question things. And even though I didn't question them in a way I thought that might be considered defensive, the the people that heard what was saying, what I was saying, felt like I couldn't let go. I wish I could have seen those things when I was gro- going through the process. But the reality was is that I didn't see them until later when I'm already beginning to see someone who is in a very similar situation to do the exact same thing. Once we let go of the authority, we no longer have the right to walk into the other person's lane and give our input unless they are seeking it. And even at that moment, in this scenario I am talking about within our church, no matter what my answer might be, was probably going to be defensive to the person that was going to share it with me unless what I said was encouraging. So I would like to talk about three specific things of why I think it's important to stay in your lane. Point number one is asking the question of what does it mean? It means don't tell others what to do and don't budge into others' plans and lives if you are not invited. You don't have to be the jack of all trades because ultimately you're probably the master of none. There's this quote from Velt Kid that says, stay in your lane rather than worrying about what everyone else is doing. And Russell Simmons says this, stay in your lane. If you're not good enough, people will move to you. Why is it important? Well, when you step in someone else's lane, you, you let them know that you think you can do it better. Most of the time, we step in someone else's lane because we used to be in that lane and how they do it is different than how you do it. This goes back to my early example. When you are the only pastor at a church, you do everything and as the church grows and and you add more pastors to the team, the only way you're going to accomplish more is if you let go of more. Sounds very basic, right? But it's something we have to remember When we bring someone to do that job, we have to give them an opportunity to do that job. We hired them to be the expert. I don't need to be the expert of everything. Sometimes we need to let others fail so that leadership can see that a change needs to happen. This is a tough one. I just had this conversation with one of my employees and we're not getting the product that we want right now. And truthfully, we may not be getting the product we've, we've ever wanted, but the problem is we keep bailing them out so it looks like they're giving us this great product. 
Sometimes we need to let others fail so that we can better that department because the truth is we learn more by failing than we do by being bailed out. A great illustration of this is when I went to my dad and asked him for some money because I didn't have enough money to pay my rent when I was in my early 20s. And he looked at me and said, Chip, I can give you the money. I have the money. But what's going to happen if I just give you the money? When you come to struggle again, you're just going to ask me for money instead of learning how to come up with the money yourself. My dad knew that if I didn't push, if I didn't push myself to learn from my mistakes, then bailing me out was going to create more conflict in my life later. It was a great lesson because I learned how to get out of that struggle without having someone else bail me out. So yes, Sometimes we need to just let people fail so that we can make them stronger. It's not easy, is it? Another example is if you keep doing someone else's job, then who is doing your job? Have you thought about that? If you keep doing someone else's job, then who is doing your job to its fullest potential? This is a great question that you should ask yourself before you get involved with someone else's job. Because truthfully, if you have enough time to worry about everybody else's job, then who is doing your job? And maybe it is that you don't have enough to do and we need to add more to your job. What you are saying when you walk into someone else's lane without being asked to is that you know better than them and it probably means that you're not doing your own job. So in order for the business to grow, you need to let others help you. I work for one of the largest youth ministries in all the world, and yet we still at times function as if everyone has a say in everything. Last year alone, we reached over a million people, but I wonder how many more people we could minister to if we would just trust everyone to do their job. The final point that I would like to talk about, point number three, when is it okay to cross over into someone else's lane. Well, there's a couple of points I'd like to share with you. Number one, when they ask you to, not before then, you need to be patient and wait for them to ask you to. The goal in business should be to have such deep relationships between departments that when someone is struggling with something that they feel they can come and ask you for help. When you are constantly interjecting yourself into someone else's business, all you are doing is creating a culture in which trust becomes an issue. There's nothing wrong with asking if you can help. But when they say they don't need it, you need to let them do their job and back off. Don't tell them what you think anyways, because what you are saying to them is that you know better than they do about their job. The second reason when it is okay to cross over to someone else's lane is when there is an emergency. Understand something though. It is not an emergency just because it's not done exactly the way you want it to be done. It's only an emergency when it hurts the whole organization. It is not an emergency because your name is on it. That is an awful excuse. And here's why. If we are one team, then every one of us has our name on it. It's the name of the organization we work for. 
I think so many times we use that as the excuse for for why we interject and why we um, cross over into other people's lanes. We need to understand that we need to allow people to do their job. Another thing is, is just remember that in order for us to be able to do more, you must be able to let go of more. So let's recap just for a moment. There are three points that we talked about today. Point number one is the what it means to cross over to someone else's lane. Point number two is determining why it's important to stay in your lane. And finally, point number three, when is it okay to cross over into someone else's lane? I think it's important for us to know that there are going to be times when we need to cross over into someone else's lane. My hope with this podcast today was for you to determine whether or not you had the right motives to do so. Ultimately, the goal in any organization, whether it's at your home, coaching a sport, pastoring a church, leading a small business, or leading a large corporation, it is to grow. And do you really believe that you can accomplish all that you want to without the help of others? So I would encourage you to think before you cross into someone else's lane. Thank you for being a part of our podcast today, and I hope this encouraged you as much as it encouraged me. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor and share it with your friends. My goal with this podcast is to provide life and leadership lessons for leaders within this world, and I believe that God created all of us with the ability to lead. Just some of us need to be encouraged. God bless. Have a great day.